0: for protests, we have walked raising awareness, some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay, and as a young person, you gotta, you gotta listen
1: to our perspective, our
0: voices need to be heard.
1: People are gonna look back, our kids are gonna look back at this and say, you were a part of that, I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the 60s, and he was amazing, he would be proud to see us all here. We got to keep pushing
2: forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents
0: Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison.
1: Great to be back with you. I'm Jason Jackson with Kirk Morrison. Uh, It's going to be a lot of baseball today, obviously. (laughs) Everybody emailed each other, right, Kirk, when, Uh when the baseball story broke. Uh, That they were getting out of the business of hosting uh, their midseason classic in Georgia after their voting rights bill. Um, And we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, We knew we had to put it at the forefront. Yeah, You're on we talked progress. about it last week. We was on it's it, Jack. Cr- exactly.
2: Jax. We, we 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 knew it was gonna be hot. Let's just be yes. real, man. I, yes. I don't wanna, we don't even pat ourselves on the back too much, but and we it's were like, still hot. Yeah. It's we said, still hot. This, is huge. this is gonna be this, this hot. They they gotta figure
1: something out, Jax I'll let Every, you know. Everybody's upset. Trump's <laughs> talking about boycotting baseball and yeah. I'm tired of uh folks using the term woke, by the way. What what is like like it's it's all it's derogatory on the right. Yeah and so let's just say it properly if you can't stand an awakening among your own people recognizing how things have been wrong there's something wrong with you it's Mm -hmm. not the awakening that's the problem and so let's make that Plain. i don't I, that's not a debatable space i am so encouraged by someone who has lived their life 50 60 70 years seeing things through a single prism and all of a sudden whatever it was the attack on the Capitol, uh right. the cut four years of nonsense and incompetency mm. that radiated out of that man's mouth as the leadership of our nation that in that space somebody went oh my god what did i do mm-hmm. right yeah, <laughs> that, I'm fine <laughs> with that awakening. So yeah. don't try to get something in your mouth to make it sound a certain way, slick or what have you. Trying to um, use some level of of the culture, our black culture, to try to make it sound like it's something people should be afraid of or run from. That that I'm done with that.
2: Yeah, um, just just, just understand that when I hear the term woke for people out there listening. Mm-hmm. When I, how how I define it, Jax, I define it as someone who is aware, who is the mm-hmm. research and vows to correct what may be culturally some people may not understand. That's why when someone says, hey, uh, oh, that, that person's woke, that means that they understand. They are awake in terms of the times and they're going to make sure that you are looking at both sides of the prism, not just one. All right. Now, you nailed that there, my man. And so
1: Major League Baseball makes the decision that after this Georgia voting rights bill that is suppressing, um, basically, let, let's do this differently. Right. This is a revenge dynamic. Yeah. People lost what they thought was theirs. Right. The presidency and two Senate seats in the great state of Georgia. Georgia was on mm. everybody's <laughs> mind, obviously, at that time. And in response to that defeat, um, the the legislature in Georgia wants to make it harder for those that contributed to victory right. against them uh, <laughs> do not have those opportunities when things come up again. That being said, um, I want to break down Major League Baseball's decision. Um, when you go back 10 years, Major League okay. Baseball had an opportunity um, to... Put their foot down about arizona's anti-immigration bill that they had at the time and it was a hideous piece of legislation that specifically was trying to and oddly enough like you think about everybody that does all the hard work in arizona right right They're brown. Mm-hmm. okay correct yeah Can we just we all we co signed yeah. that right <laughs> um and then you want to do something to pull everybody out that are doing the jobs you ain't never even let your mind, mouth, soul even fix to try to do. But anyway, uh, that was a situation. But Bud Selig at the time of baseball uh, had no intention of touching spring training uh, to voice displeasure. This time around, are we giving Major League Baseball through the commissioner's uh, decision and leadership a full pat on the back because they did the right thing or did the right thing and damage control merge into the same place for the first time for them? not for the first time, um, this time.
2: Wow, I think I'm gonna go with the latter on that one. I think it was them baseball being aware of we need to do this now because if we let it wait, it will sit and percolate, and next thing you know, we're in a bigger controversy than had we just came out and made a statement early on and just moved the game it's easier to move your all-star game from Atlanta to somewhere else which we now know i believe is Denver Colorado that let's move it then and then we can have these conversations we talked about it last week jacks when you know the nba moved its its all-star game from charlotte because of the the, the laws or the uh, i think the legislation that there was recently Talked about or have been passed, and said, We can't do business here because that goes against what we preach as an entire league. I think baseball said it best as well. Like, we don't necessarily agree with what you're doing, and it affects our whole, right? It affects all the 30 teams because we have other states that don't do this. Just a side note, too quick, Jacks, on this one was that had the election gone the other way would we have these same conversations right now Would would these legislative bills still be talked about would they still be passed had the other side have won had trump may have won had those two seats not have been taken by the democratic party will we still be talking about these bills? Would they still be trying to sign a bill for voter suppression i don't believe so Hell I well.
1: think they would. Let's, let's go hard. <laughs> <handle now. laughs> we wouldn't
2: be dealing with it. Well, I, and so that was my whole conversation. My whole thought process was that we're doing this after someone lost. Hmm. You, you, you don't do that after someone lost. No, hmm. like this is the way that things are. So, if you can, we can talk about how we can maybe fix. There's probably some different ways of getting people more active in trying to vote, but I realize how powerful the vote is. And I'm glad that baseball, regardless of what they've done in the past on different issues, they understand that the time is now that we have to be proactive in this situation. They're proactive even with you know not having a ton of African-Americans in their sport. This isn't the same baseball that I knew growing up and watching, but yet I thought that they took a stand in which a lot of people were going to look at them and they got out in front of it and I applaud them.
1: I only have these things linger in the back of my mind, not because I'm cynical, but because they are real. Uh, right. Major League Baseball spending this season celebrating the life and baseball heroics of Hank Aaron. Baseball is in the midst of including yeah. the, the the statistics from Negro League players. Mm. Uh, baseball made a statement this summer that they're no longer going to be a passive observer uh, to the nation's massive social dynamics that are imbalanced specifically for black folks. You can't have those at the centerpiece of your existence and go play in Atlanta. And so mm-hmm. I will applaud right, that that's the decision being made. There was a lot there yeah. that was a part of the underpinning that that maybe I don't want to say made this easier because. Rob Bamford still has 30-plus bosses.
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That
1: in reading his statement, I saw a lot of I. I am making this decision. It wasn't in conjunction with the Board of Governors or Mm -hmm. in consultation with the Players Association. Yes. I am making this decision to move the— I, man, I want to be the fly on that wall, Kirk. I want yeah. to know that he just calling a deputy, and a couple executive vice presidents, and go, "Watch me do this. <laughs> We're about to do this thing." Um, or you. do you make strategic phone calls to the most powerful um, team governors and make sure you have your back covered? Um, it's 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 maybe it's a maybe it's all this, right?
2: Like maybe it's a little all. It's also followed a bottom line, too, though. Let's be honest, right? Will, will, will this change the way the revenue streams grow within Major League Baseball? Are people going to turn off baseball because they change where its all-star game is? No, I, I don't believe so. I think that they said, look, we... And this is part of what we talked about last year in this awakening of our country. A lot of, I think, companies, sports leagues, they all have now hired diversity and inclusion Um, You know, I I guess uh, parts or sectors within their own companies now, right? I know my wife; she's now part of her company's diversity and and inclusion. Okay, and they're talking about these same situations. So when these situations do arrive or arise, like you now have someone to say, "Hey, look, guys, this we got to talk about this. This is something real. This is something that's totally where I think before George Floyd, before twenty twenty, Jacks." This will be something that would fall on the on on, on the uh, on the president's desk, of the company or the league, we looked at, and then th- that's it. Now it's no, we need to talk about this because if we don't, this affects who we are. It affects, like you mentioned, the bottom line. It affects what we stand for. And just to mention th- those names that you mentioned, uh, uh, Hank Aaron, you know, who passed away. Like the legacy of some of these players were at a time in which you know, segregation, segregation was just ending, right? Jim Crow laws were just ending. Like the people that some of this league also has stood on in terms of African-Americans, yes, this is what your league has been, I think, built on in the African-American community. So why should you or turn a blind eye to what's going on in that community? I, I see where baseball now, has taken its stance, and I'm just, I'm happy for them that they're finally seeing it, I think, the way that many other people did, didn't think that they could see it that way.
1: Howard Bryant, the ESPN senior writer, was so good in his column about this, and I've got to share this, and, and we'll talk with Doug Landvill, a uh, fantastic MLB player and uh, and analyst, and, and then, then we'll, we'll get to him As soon as I give you this, I know we're (laughs) running late on time. But this is magnificent because let's go back to the movement of the Braves to Atlanta from Milwaukee in Mm. the first place. All right. 1965, Mm. Milwaukee's black players, Henry Aaron, Lee May in particular, voiced their displeasure. And I quote, I knew what was down there and didn't want to go back. Henry told him of seg- segregation years ago, repeating his position from 1964. I continue. This is Henry Aaron. Quote, I was happy in Milwaukee. Returning to the South, that deep South, that Jim Crow, that r- reconstruction, that antebellum wow. was not something I wanted to do.
2: Mm. Come on. Wow. Come on now. Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> it, it, it is... Wow.
1: Yeah, Major League Baseball could not have been the organization that rewarded, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not curse, I'm going to not curse, I'm going <laughs> to say that fiction Yes, that's being pushed by Georgia, its representatives, and so many other municipalities around this nation that the 2020 election and those uh, senatorial runoffs were stolen. They weren't. You got your ass beat that's all that happened people came out yeah and voted against you and everything that you stand for that being that we're a little over let's take a break when we come back uh former major league player writer analyst now doug glanville friend of the program joins us on forward progress when we come back
2: You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio.
1: Forward Progress continues. It's Morrison. It's Jackson. We're so happy to have Doug Glanville back with us on the program. Doug, it's great to see you. Hope all is well. Uh, we're we're just, Listen, you're the guy. You were the one we had to talk to about uh, everything surrounding um, Major League Baseball's all-star decision. Let's start with the commissioner and start with his wording. I was listening to Barry Larkin on the Reds broadcast, the first-place Reds broadcast, I should put that. Oh, here we go. (laughs) Um, And he was taken by the ownership that Commissioner Manford took in it, the, the eyes. I am making this decision. It wasn't like... Ownership, it wasn't in, con- in uh, connection with uh, the Players Association, although I'm assuming that's inferred. How important is it that the face of leadership in baseball make that statement? Was it necessary, from your view? I think it's very important.
0: And, you know, partly when you look at that history of that relationship and the perception that, okay, the commissioner is an extension of ownership and there's always going to be this business interest front and center. And and we're going to present even these social issues in that light. I think taking those steps reflects some of the commitments that Major League Baseball has tried to make, especially since George Floyd's killing and how they've rethought how they want to engage on these topics. And I think they did do a very... Serious deep dive on that and, and look at some of their blind spots. Also, you recognize what has the NBA shown us? You have a commissioner in the NBA in Adam Silver that really gets after it and he's been proactive. He steps in front of it. He anticipates that these issues are going to be part of what will impact the sport. And therefore, he's prepared and that avoids that blindsiding or what do we do or we got to get consensus and we're trying to figure out, you know, when you stand in a certain firm position, on some
2: issues, hey, man, like, hey, you
0: have hey, a lot easier time to sort of bring people to a certain point because you're saying, no, we as Major League Baseball are about X, Y and Z. And these are our principles. And the fact is that they are coming from a legacy of someone like Jackie Robinson. You know, when you ha- when you pioneer something so great, which really preempted the integration of the u.s now back to
1: give and go Uh, that's your
0: history and i i feel like baseball hasn't really revisited that in the way that they needed to to modernize what jackie robinson has meant and his his time his the spirit of him is so relevant today more than ever and and so that is something when you think about robinson it's an opportunity to not just remember that, oh, he was he was first and he was kind of silent the first three years. We missed the rest of the story. Uh, Jackie was marching on the streets, writing letters to congressmen and presidential candidates and testifying in hearings. And I mean, he was an activist. He was straight up on the streets. Right? So that that's another side that when we want the palatable version of Jackie, then we don't get at the, the real depth of his pain and what he was confronting and also how our society was trying to adapt accordingly.
2: Yeah, Doug, did you ever feel that baseball was trying to uh, kind of change its image a little bit? Because it seemed like in years past when issues like this would kind of arise with baseball. They would kind of go quiet they would kind of go mum and then you wouldn't hear from them is this now a new baseball is this now them being proactive instead of just allowing you know people to talk and not listen but now finally have some answers to it well i hope so and, and it's absolutely correct
0: they would sort of wait in the shadows and maybe another sport came forward and then they kind of jump in there and they would often seven days later one thing that's very clear right now is there are windows here. You kind of have to jump on it because you're going to get heat. I mean, look at Coca-Cola right now. They're they're getting heat from both sides. So (laughs) so if you don't jump on it or you jump on it late, it's like, wait a minute, like I'm boycotting you too, right? So, you know, (laughs) they realize that you have to take a position. But here's the thing, when you are establishing your principles from jump, and you know what you stand for. You don't have that hesitation. Right. You, you, you dive in. You have the research. You do your diligence, and then you're just like, "This is what we're about. now back to." And that is a, a different take. So I I do commend baseball for trying to dive and recognize that they needed to change positions. They couldn't no longer say, "Well, hey, our demographics are seven percent black, so these they don't really affect us." Or you know, you kind of can hide behind numbers and and all those concerns about the political leanings of the sport. They said, "No, we, we have to be." about humanity and we have to tap some of the things we've actually pioneered in our history like Jackie Robinson.
1: Former Major League Baseball player, current analyst and writer, Doug Glanville with us here on Forward Progress. Uh, As the decision is made to move Major League Baseball's uh, all-star game from Atlanta to Colorado, in the midst of this, the Braves organization felt like they needed to make a different statement while Uh, A good portion of the world looks at what is happening in Georgia and 40 plus other states, or at least being attempted uh, to create roadblocks to people voting. Let's just make it pretty simple. Um, The Braves felt like they had to make a statement that did what? What was their pushback? Do you feel like that narrative spoke to or to don't.
0: I don't think the Braves statement came off as intended. Uh, that that's that's the first percent the the sort of response I had to it i think there's conversations around the impact on local communities that once this game is gone and all the things that were sort of planned around it. You know, when you're the host family, so to speak, the Braves, you have different kinds of stakes, like on a business level, on a community level. And that stung. It absolutely stung. And you're trying to compare sort of this... What stood out to Rick and Antonio from rights, this past weekend. certainly should be sort of this... Give and presents right to Weekend you know, Free citizenship That's been denied and stepped on. People got killed with the ballot box and we can talk about Wilmington and all these other places, right, Tulsa, whatever. But in the end, you know, they, they recognize like, okay, well, you know, we have a community and we're trying to deal with that. But the global perspective was looking at really voting rights and why this is something that is continually a challenge, especially in communities of color, right? And it's clear. And, and so that was their kind of effort. And I think what it created is the sense of, well, wait a minute, like, Okay, yes, there might be, there's gonna be always fallout to a certain degree when you're trying to take on these large issues. Where where are you? Where's your role in this in the larger picture? And then what are you trying to protect? So I understand when they're trying to be local and dealing with global issues, just like Georgia saying, I'm a state and this is something bigger. But from the black experience, it transcends all that, right? That's sort of the point. You know, we've seen proxies and double talk meaning to have a Uh, a disparate impact on a group of people, right? to, but say, call it all these other things. Well, no, it's not this, it's not that. And and that language of duplicity and just duplicitous sort of uh, communication is how people hide in the shadows of what is like pure unadulterated racism mm-hmm. and calling it something else, right? So, so that's where I think Atlanta is gonna have to keep having that conversation to sort of marry the sort of legacy of voter suppression, right? Legacy, which from jump, I mean, and now try to marry it with the sensibility you're trying to have locally and help educate everybody around this. And they can do that in their own community. That could be
2: their opportunity. Let's talk about
0: this. Right. Let's go. Let's have that conversation.
2: Well, we're seeing the fallout happen right in front of us right now, currently. Right. Where mm-hmm. the state of Georgia, the city of Atlanta. Now, Colorado, we know Denver, they'll have the all star game. But now since it's 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 done already, it's done. The game is now moved. But now we always say, hey, what's next? What's now the next part now? What does Major League Baseball do now? What does the Atlanta Braves do now? You know, What does the state of Georgia do now? Because from this fallout, okay, now what comes of it now? The game's already moved. But that people forget, it's not like the game is tomorrow. The game is not until July. Right? So what do we do from now until July?
0: What I hope for? May not be what is going to happen right but what i hope for is that we really have a real conversation about voter suppression right and, and the, the the legacy of voter suppression look i i played major league baseball for x years and there was i had some really good years and when the off season came around i still tried to work on something right so i understand like you, you are right, voting, you want to make sure it's it's fair and all these things. I, I can understand that you do a deep dive and try to learn something and say, we can improve in certain areas. But we understand, once again, how that can be a proxy for having another impact, right, to to sort of tilt the scale so to speak all right so I, I think that conversation is important and the more we look at you know i'm really heather mcgee's book uh, called the sum of us which is fantastic talks about this zero-sum game we've heard this a, a different time the zero-sum game and the talk about well when you get something you're taking something from me and all these and it's in certain people's benefit when people are battling on these battlefronts if you're you know you're like a uh, auto company and you, you don't want to unionize, you don't want a union. So you want, you know, black and white to argue and all, you want titles to confuse people because it's in your best interest from a uh, top line standpoint that, okay, people are fighting, right? right. And when we kind of start to see that Heather McGee's point is racism hurts everyone. Okay, everyone, not just, you know, it's not black versus white. It's like all of us against racism, right? right. Like that's that's what we need to kind of get back to. And she lays it out in every single industry, banking, subprime lending. Yeah, what did they do in the subprime? They went and fleeced the black community, which, by the way, most of which were refinancing. It wasn't like, oh, here's your first out. They were refinancing. They were already homeowners and you know, work their whole lives to save for this house. They get fleeced. And what happens is the the top echelon says, oh, well, hey, I'm making money on this. I just figured out how to make this profitable. Now I'm going to go after the rest of the communities. White, black, I don't care. I'm making money. This destroys everybody. So, you know, you think about the pools, right? She talks about the pools. Racism closed the pools, right? They said, oh, well, we're going to integrate now. They fought it to death, fought it to death. Once black folks were able to get in the pool. They just said, instead of having a pool, nobody gets a pool. So that hurts everybody. Right. So, so that's the conversation you need to kind of look at this history uh, from Wilmington to all these stories, understanding like what the right to vote has meant and how it's been a shell game at various times. And I, I hope that Atlanta, Georgia, all these places really start to have a deep dive and understanding like why people have so much pain around this.
1: You are listening to Forward Progress. I'm Jason Jackson with Kurt Morrison, our guest, Doug Glanville, here discussing uh, the overall Major League Baseball transition from Atlanta to Denver for uh, the All-Star Game, pushing back on the decisions about voter suppression being made in the state of Georgia. Uh, We want to go a little bit deeper into this discussion uh, for all of us about what we're dealing with, having the GOP stare us in the face and say to us that the elections were not fair. We're trying to get to the fair elections. And we believe the best way to make them fair is to make it challenging for brown and black people to get to the polls in a way that they're most used to. That last part, they won't say fully out loud. I'm saying it for them by the decisions that they're making. But To try to make it more challenging is admitting full well what we've known for a long time about demographics in America. If you could get all these voter bases energized, the more people who vote, the more a progressive agenda tends to find its way uh, to the victory. And I think this is really an interesting reckoning for the Grand Old party as we once knew it. As it's trying to, I don't know if they're reclaiming themselves, Doug and Kurt, after Mm -hmm. trump went in imploded it made it a a party of one about him Mm -hmm. and now they're trying to reclaim it after defeat and having literally no full power in federal government um that's not necessarily the case by the way in state and local governments around the nation which is why that energy is coming from uh local municipalities and states uh what do we feel about this transformation of the republican party and where it's headed and what they're trying to cling to in this space?
0: Well, you know, they're they're fragmented and trying to, you know, really figure out how to marry this history, right? The Reagan, you know, George Bush kind of into an era where now you're different. You know, you have ideological battles, right, over truth. You know, I mean, it's a very different time. And um, and you know, you, you look back at Republican Party and you see, you know, George Bush. Uh, w. Bush had a, f- a fairly diverse cabinet, you know, Condoleezza Rice, and you know, you saw that you know, and had a fairly open uh, immigration policy, for example, right? So you look back and you start to see some of the nuance of okay, there were certain things that were still inclusive, even if you had different viewpoints, uh, when the Republican Party had. Uh, you know, Mitt Romney and John McCain running against Obama. They were people that did embrace a, 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 a sort of a unifying, diverse society. You know, when you look back, right, you say, OK, oh, you know, those guys were about that to a large degree, I, but they didn't win. OK, and um, and I think you, you know that. There's also going to be the zero-sum game about win or loss. And there's a whole history in our political landscape of trafficking in racism to, therefore, it's the easy way, right? It's the easy way to just say, okay, let's just try to win by divide and conquer. That's the easy way. That's the lazy way. It's, of course, destructive in a lot of ways. But... You know, there's definitely be success stories if you talk about winning and losing in our history, right? Traffic and racism, you know, uh, I think it was Lee Atwater who ran Reagan's uh, campaign manager. He knew how to create proxies. I'm not going to call it black and this. I'm going to just call it that. And that's going to get people, you know, ginned up around it, right? So so we've had that, that history. And so the question is... If you have, if you're a party of of a certain belief system, whatever it is, big government, small government, whatever, then I think it's. Important that we have two strong parties that are including all of us in this great experiment. I think that's important uh, because if you, you know, I, I have family from North Carolina, you know, Southern Baptist, whatever, they're pretty conservative if you really go check, 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 check. But what's right. the issue for, for Black folks in America is that you're kind of forced into this monolithic thinking on a certain degree, even though you're way more diverse than that, because you're too busy going, well, I can't vote for the racist, so I gotta vote for this guy. <laughs> right. right. You know, so what are you supposed to do? What <laughs> are you supposed to times? do? Right. Right. So right. I, I can I can wax poetically about climate change and I want, you know, all these little but then if that's attached to the person that's gonna suppress yeah. my vote or try to go back to slavery, then what right. how, how what choice do I have? So I think all both parties, whatever, need to continue to keep front and center that we've played political football with black people forever right? The Dixiecrats, the LBJ, you know, it's like, can you both just agree that we need to include everybody to the table? We need to just, okay, let's do that. And then, you know what, may the best party win on big government, small government, big military, whatever, but at least it's issue-based, you know? Right. And, and I think that's that's the lazy space we're in. And it's hard right now with social media and the speed of information. So I'd, I'd, I'd like to see that. I don't know you know, what what it's going to happen. But uh, you can look back in the history and see that there's there's possibilities there. Now you just have to make that commitment. And it's really tough because you just came from a, a singular figure right now in politics in, in President Trump. That, and that's hard to to
2: shift. You, you, you're going to have to a lot of work to do. Yeah. Last one for me, Doug. I, I know you got to get ready, Brun. But it's, it's similar to what you're saying, though, is that I feel like there's more and more people now that it's you have to tell me who you are. Are you on this side or are you on that side? And then baseball makes a decision. And so people are like, well, baseball, you must be on that side. Like, No, I'm here in the middle. It's like, how do we figure out how do we move forward and just be one instead of having to choose a side? I think that's the bigger picture that I'm seeing. And now that the sports leagues are now having to figure out whose side are you on? Are you on this one or are you on that one?
0: This, well, the side thing is, you know, just it's a path to nowhere, right? I mean, because it, it's not really how it plays out. We all have these nuances and subtleties. I mean, you could say you're a Democrat. Do you really check like 50 boxes and say that? I and mean, if you're a Republican, do you really check? I mean, we're not we're way more complex than that. We're made more diverse than that of thought, which is why I mentioned the, the black community has always tilted one direction to one political party and it wasn't always because they liked every issue it was because we were trying to figure out who's going to go back to Jim Crow and who isn't right I mean you know there's sometimes where they were straight out false choices I mean you're voting I mean imagine you know whenever you you know imagine voting in like 1832 or something it's like come on like what choices do you have right so you know so that to me is getting back to this constructive engagement and look I'm very big on extolling the virtue of sport at its best I really believe that there's something to look to towards that because when when you're an athlete and you play a whole life of it you are obsessed with teamwork and unity because that is your ticket to to ac- accomplishing a goal together. You 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 focus on that. I had players coming from all over the world converge on spring training, and and people had all kinds of preconceived notions. Oh, you're from Venezuela. You're from here. You're... And then when you play together and you have a goal, you start to really focus on what actually matters—to to have a team. And it's not perfect, but it's just it's a shift in. Is it really about your color or is it about like the ball I want to give you in the ninth inning? Because you're the best person for the job. You're, you're, you're who I can trust, who's going to work out extra after the game. Like that is, that's human. It doesn't matter what you look like, right? Where you come from, work ethic and so on. So that's one, but also equity. Sports are obsessed with equity. If you don't have equity and rules that are facially neutral, but applied in a way that's fair across the board, but so they're on paper. They they say this is for all of us. If you don't have that, you don't have any fidelity. You have no integrity of your game. But hence PEDs and all that stuff. So you want fairness. And and look, nobody would be mad. if you're the Lakers playing the Celtics or the Hawks or whoever, and. You wouldn't want to play a game where the basketball hoop on the other side is the, side, the size of the Atlantic Ocean and the other teams got a postage stamp. You, even as a victor, would be a frustrated because there's something about competitive balance and you becoming victorious that you've earned it. So the sports are a very good avenue to get into those conversation, constructive engagement seeing each other's humanity, seeing our experiences in each other, and not turning it into this warfare over kind of false ideological choices because you're working backwards. You're saying, I'm this, so therefore I'm that, instead of I care about these issues and therefore this is the best vote for me. But I know that my candidate isn't perfect, that I still have to work at this more perfect union. To me, that—that's those are steps, and I think we have a lot, of, you know, tons of work to do. But I, I'm optimistic. I speak optimistically, but I know there's there's a lot to do. There's a lot to undo. Uh, so it's going to be, you know, strap on your seatbelt,
1: right? <laughs> it's it's, <laughs> it's going to be crazy for a while. <laughs> this is not easy, but uh, we always feel a little bit better after we talk to you Absolutely. every single time. Doug, come back. I want the uh, DH in the National League. I got that. I was okay <laughs> with it. I wasn't sure I was going to be okay with it. I loved it, and now I miss it. <laughs> yeah. So we got to figure that out you, next time. You're yep. on. All, All right. right, figure it out with you, man. <laughs> Doug Glanville with us here <laughs> on Foral Progress. It's Jackson. It's Morrison. We're back in a moment. You're listening to SiriusXM XM Radio. We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Forward Progress continues and we put pause on baseball. So great to have Doug with us and also an opportunity to get our thoughts out on Major League Baseball's All-Star Game transition from Atlanta in response to the Georgia Fording rights bill uh, to Denver Colorado let's now turn our attention toward some history being made in uh, North Carolina as the University of North Carolina promoted longtime assistant Hubert Davis to replace Roy Williams as the head basketball coach uh basically Kurt making history Um, yeah there have only been a handful of African Americans who've held the title head coach in the university history he's the very first in the basketball program that's put so many black men uh, on their court and into the association
2: yeah, I mean, this is uh, this huge. Um, just because there's a certain sports, um, I guess certain institutions, universities, that you're kind of a you know accustomed to seeing only certain faces, and so to now to see a new face um, for that basketball program that for many years um, has been, I guess, at the forefront of segregation, right? In terms of. Uh, Making sure that that their team was always integrated, right? We talked about it a couple weeks ago on the same program about what Dean Smith was able to do with that basketball program, um, you know, at North Carolina and how black players wanted to play for Dean Smith because he was such a guy who fought for them. And so to think back then to where now the program is at to finally hire its first African-American head coach, um, that's huge, especially for the state of North Carolina.
1: Hubert Davis played at uh, UNC for Coach Smith
2: Mm -hmm.
1: before being a first round NBA draft pick by the New York Knicks that's for our producer Pernell Brown we we snuck it in (laughs) Uh, 12 years of the association uh, before uh, being an analyst on ESPN and then uh, turning back to the university that he loves with Roy Williams here are his thoughts about being named head coach of the Tar Heels it's significant Um, I know that In terms of Division I head coaches all around the country, only 26% of the head coaches for Division I men's basketball are compromised by minorities, specifically African Americans. I know that it is significant that I'm the fourth African American head coach in any sport in the history of the University of North Carolina. I'm very proud to be African American. But I'm also very proud that my wife is white. And I'm very proud that my three beautiful, unbelievable kids are a combination of both of us. It seems interesting and a bit of a turn at the end of his comments to obviously um, embrace his blackness, but then embrace the multicultural dynamic of his family. Uh, My brother's wife is white. And I can imagine there are times when all these black folks (laughs) are around Mm -hmm. and over the years, I assume she's far more comfortable now than in maybe in the mid nineties, when she first made this experience coming from a small town in Northeast Ohio. And my brother has a reverse experience when he's in that full circle. Yeah. um, With the Howard family and all of that over these uh, 18 years has seemed to have gone well. Uh, They don't have children, so they don't have to, you know, navigate that water of of self-identification and so i I, it sounds like that's what coach was doing there is making it plain that i can have this pride for me and 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 acknowledge this pride of the heritage of my wife and this united let's not even call it mixed he didn't this kind of united heritage that exists within his children
2: No, I I think that's a great way of saying it, Jax. Um, I think, you know, first of all, just to hear his thoughts there and his voice about the significance, first of all, the position that he's in. Like, that is significant for an African-American man. Uh, You know, North Carolina basketball sits at the top. Uh, Maybe Indiana, uh, a couple others as well, that, that they stand in the front. Like, the tournament has to have these specific teams in there. And so when you have those specific teams, you're like, okay, yeah, this is a a blue blood. And so the significance in which that just to hear him say, I'm proud to be African-American. I I understand what it is to be an African-American in this position. I applaud him and I'm excited for him because I want to see him continue to uh, have that same pride as well. The pressure that is now going to be on him. Just hopefully, as a coach, not because of the color of his skin. That—that's the one thing I do want to focus on. Is that we don't, we can't look at the color. Let's look at the, the 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 situation in which of him having the success of being a successful coach in college basketball. Now, to the last part, I think what he was trying to say is that look, I am proud to have uh, you know my wife be white, but I think he wanted to really honestly say is that we have a unique family dynamic that not only do we have where my background is from, but also my wife's background to where we have the conversations of what currently is going on in our country, right? Is that I am not immune to what I look like, nor so what my wife looks like, But we understand and we have these conversations, but we also have these conversations with our children as well, that not only I can be prideful for who I am, but I'm also prideful for also the way that my children will grow up and how they'll view me and how they go forth with their life. I think that's what he wanted to say, because when you hear, you know, obviously... People, especially people on Black Twitter, they saw it, Jax. They were like, "Wait, whoa, what? What do? What, what you mean? You're proud for this?" Proud. Yeah, it can get hey, hot it, in there. It can it get can hot, hot in there. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You seen those late uh, Miami Heat in, on, on on NBA Twitter? Huh? <laughs> we know. We see how it goes, man. And, and Twitter is unkind a lot of times, but I always look at just the the message. Sometimes, look, people have a difficult time at wording the message, and I think when i when i saw or i listened to his message and saw this the words i understood what he was trying to say he's trying to say that look i understand the significance of what i'm in but it's also the reality of when i go home as well i look at my wife and no she's not the same color as me or my kids aren't are, are a mix of both of these cultures that yeah i understand the significance of my heritage and i understand the significance moving forward that I hope everyone understands that, look, it's not just about the color of my skin, but it's a, it's the work that I do. It's the work and the success that hopefully I have with these young men, especially at a prestigious university like North Carolina. I want to read this
1: passage. And I think this really grasps everything so that, so that there's full understanding of what this place means to this man. Yeah. And our own biases, both black and white, Need not apply. Right. I love this university. I played here. I earned my degree here. I fell in love with my wife here. I got married here. I moved here after I retired from the NBA and I raised my family here. I am proud to lead this team and I can't wait for all that comes next. This
2: place is him.
1: Yeah. And he was going to acknowledge that in that press conference.
2: And I have zero problem with it. No, I don't either. I think just sometimes it's uh, you think about kind of what he's went through. You know, he went through the analyst route and he said, you know what? I, this this isn't for me. I, I love impacting kids' lives. And you want to give back the same way that the university gave back to you. And I, uh, you know, I'm pulling for Hubert Davis. I want to see him, especially there's not a lot. I think he said in the clip, was it like 7% if that of college basketball coaches are African-American. So he realizes he's in the far minority. We're talking about the minority minority, right? So you want to see him have success so that others can have more opportunities such as he has. It's something else. I'm, I'm, I, 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 listen, I, I'm an ACC household
1: mm-hmm. and you know the university that's across the street here, all right? Yeah, uh-huh. uh, it's all about the you around here, right? <laughs> yep. However... Um, on the couple nights that uh, UNC and Miami aren't playing each other. But listen, those couple nights they do, right? you know who I'm rooting for. Other than that, uh, I'll be rooting for Coach Davis in this space. Um, it, it, it is a wonderful benchmark for um, racial advancement. Yeah. But what I love is when a university is not afraid to bring in their own. You know, sometimes there's this feeling that sometimes people are too close to it. Right. And you're never too close to it. That passion, um, that that uh, I always freak out about different color of blood in people's veins, but you know that un- that, mm-hmm. that, that, un- that, un- that unoxidized blood that's flowing through <laughs> his vein um, that means something, and it'll mean something to parents yeah. when he's trying to get their young men to come to that university. It's, it's it that stuff is th- those are difference makers.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's also too because we're talking about a part of the country as well. Right. The state of North Carolina, South Carolina, that little region, the Carolinas in, in general, that you want to make sure that uh, a face like his um, is seen and understood that it's about not only the process, the success. Um, it, it's about just the uh, I think who he is as a person, not necessarily the color of his skin. So I, that's what I applaud North Carolina University for having Hubert Davis as their next head coach.
1: My man, let the people know where you are when you're not here. Where can they find (laughs) you on Sirius XM?
2: Yeah, you can find me right here on this program each and every week with my boy Jax here at Forward Progress, but also find me on uh, the NFL channel, uh, NFL Sirius Radio Channel 88, as we get ready for the draft upcoming as well, as we see some more dreams come true. Man, I cannot wait for that. So, yeah, tune in to Sirius XM NFL Radio, where you find me also on my Twitter account, at at Kirk Morrison.
1: I'm not sure there's a sport where the draft
2: is more important. And the national football league. It, Matter hey, of fact, if you're getting it wrong, I'll <laughs> you. <laughs> hey man, this so is our off season extravaganza, man. Yeah, this is the one time where everybody's watching. So we love it in the off season. No doubt. And for me,
1: uh, make sure you check me out weekends this week on NBA radio, all the great interviews and, and insights uh, all on Saturdays and Sundays on Sirius XM NBA radio. And then every Sunday, 10 a.m., yours truly and Amino Hassan for NBA Insider. We want to thank Doug Glanville for coming by and helping us try to solve the world's problems. <laughs> we always appreciate our producer, Pernell Brown, for Kirk Morrison. I'm Jason Jackson. We'll talk to you next time.